Today, we have a very special guest, Eric Littlejohn, President and Chief Operating Officer of CloudWave, the number one cloud services provider to Meditech customers. This is your host, Paul Butler, and this is the Healthcare Information and Management System Society Southern California podcast, where we explore emerging trends at the intersection of information technology and healthcare management. Hims is a global advisor and thought leader supporting the transformation of the health ecosystem and includes over 80,000 individual members and over 1,000 provider and healthcare services organizations. So our guest today, Eric Littlejohn, joined CloudWave in 2013 and served in various roles before becoming president and chief operating officer. Eric brings a deep understanding of healthcare information technology implementation and operations. Uh, before joining CloudWave, Eric served in a variety of positions with Pro Systems and Dell with responsibility for technology integration program and project management, business operations, and IT support. His healthcare IT experience spans multiple healthcare segments, including both acute and ambulatory settings, healthcare supply chain, and home healthcare. Eric earned a Bachelor of Science degree from the United States Military Academy and a Master of Business Administration from Virginia Tech. Welcome, Eric. Well, thanks for having me. I've really uh, been looking forward to our conversation. Well, we're excited about having you. And um, so you've been president and CEO of CloudWave and held other key positions at the company for over seven years and have served a lot of hospitals across the country. But I think one of the big questions is seven years ago, cloud was was kind of a dirty word in the electronic health record space. So as far as cloud services, you sort of went from zero to hero in that time. How did that happen? Well, our team had first developed uh, disaster recovery and hosting capabilities for Meditech customers over a decade ago. And frankly, we weren't calling it cloud then. Uh, it was really just uh, that, hosting and disaster recovery. And, and obviously, healthcare has been, I think, relatively slow in adopting cloud-based solutions. And, and there's a lot of factors that sort of contribute to that, I think. Um, organizational preferences for capital funding and IT budgets uncertainty about security, uh, concern about losing control of data when it moves off-site. So we've just been trying to really focus on providing customers with alternatives, be they on-premise, cloud-based, and, and just sort of meet our customers' needs as they shift it over time. And a typical progression might be a customer implementing something on-premise in a traditional fashion, putting servers, storage, other infrastructure in the data center, Instead of duplicating that, however, I think customers started looking at, you know, I don't want to double all that, put it in a da uh, secondary data center. Maybe I should look to cloud as an option. And, and then, you know, mm -hmm. trying that, testing it for three to five years, and it starts to look pretty good. You, it looks more appealing. It becomes uh, something tried, tested, and true. Uh, and, and so I think... You know, that's sort of been a, a path or, or one of many paths, if you will, of, of evolution and customers starting to, to feel more comfortable in, in, in adopting cloud. Hmm. So, and, and cloud is not just a technology solution. It has implications, right, in, in financial and in staff talent that a, a CIO might retain on site versus what is contracted with you, security, regulatory and compliance. So what what in your dealings with so many different CIOs across different systems and hospitals, what were the what were the challenges they stated, and how did they change, and um, 
What have you seen evolve over that time? Well, I think organizations face a number of challenges and all of those sort of inform the decision that they want to make in terms of their IT strategy um, and, and consideration of how cloud plays into that or not. And oftentimes we see the upgrade of a EHR or the refresh of underlying hardware infrastructure is kind of becoming a decision point for customers to assess what makes the most sense going forward. You know, some organizations over time have changed their preference for capital spending versus OPEX. Um, e- even though the hardware costs have been trending down over time, you know, major system repla- replacements or upgrades can cost well over a million dollars. And depending on those system requirements, uh, you know, that, that can be pretty daunting. Uh, and, and those upgrade projects also present organizations with a lot of opportunity costs and, and you know, that they're spending time deploying uh, new servers or new storage, uh, migrating data, and having to prioritize those with other internal projects. So they have to ask themselves, do I really want to spend uh, time with my resources focusing on uh, migrating data from one SAN to another or keeping engaged with uh, projects that are most impactful to clinicians? I think adopting uh, cloud solutions or allows organizations to put most of the onus on their solution providers in doing a lot of the upkeep, you know, keeping up with patching of Microsoft, VMware, other system utilities. All that becomes pretty time-consuming, daunting, and, and is obviously pretty thankless. And again, you're kind of asking yourself, gee, I have all my IT staff spending time doing this sort of low-value work, and, and wouldn't it be better to you know, partner with somebody who can, can do that basic maintenance? I think you know, other factors we have seen are customers assessing their staff capabilities, competencies. Uh, you know, we serve a lot of community-based hospitals who I think are really increasingly challenged to attract and retain talent with a lot of technology that keeps evolving, uh, an ever-growing list of certifications, credentials, badges, if you will, that, that people need. And it's really tough in a small IT shop to keep up with all of that. And so, uh, you know, I think th- those are critical factors. And then add on to that, you know, how do you best mitigate risk, complexity of, of ever-changing security and compliance regulations? And, and that becomes a real headache for folks to manage. And I think it becomes natural, again, as, as you sort of look to your IT strategy of, of how can I best handle that? So let's let's talk about security and compliance for a, a minute. How has the demand model changed with respect to security and other factors? Are you now looked at as the go-to experts or having been certified as much better than keeping it on-premise, much more secure? What are those uh, changes that you've been seeing? One thing is I think the, the early adopters kind of helped set uh, standards for contracts and, and expectations of service levels and, and just sort of what those relationships were going to look like. Uh, I think also, you know, we've seen things like HIPAA, high tech start to ensure that we have things like business associate agreements and, and ensure that uh, subcontractors or other partners that might be a part of it are covered by those uh, protections as well. And, and then I, th- I think we've also seen, uh, sort of frankly, the, the, the nature of uh, security risks has sort of evolved and become, you know, so complex that, it's, it, again, it's sort of tough to keep up with that, uh, depending on how 
you know, larger IT shop may be. And just inherently, you're, you're sort of better off in, in a lot of cases working with partners who just do that day in and day out. So in the Meditech space that you you are, are so prevalent in, I mean, the Meditech electronic health record is a, it has a big base. It's one of the major EHR packages. But the 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 hospitals, especially community hospitals, are sort of all over the map, aren't they, in terms of their capabilities? So do you find that you have to kind of segment your your service model to give them a different set of services depending on where they're at? Or do you customize that? How does that work when you are helping them to you know move into the cloud age? Absolutely. I think every organization has a, a pretty good sense of, you know, what their priorities are, what the what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and, and how that sort of fits into uh, their their IT strategy and, and what they want to do. And so I think, you know, we started off with maybe more of a monolithic uh, hosting model where we just did everything for customers. And so one of our sort of evolutionary uh, uh, sort of ways of thinking about the market is let's break that down into some subcomponents because again customers may not want to adopt a full hosting model day one and that's fine uh, depending on again the size and uh, maybe sort of competency of the staff and how well you're able to rent it, retain and attract uh, talent that that Customers are fine, you know, living with with on-prem hardware, but then they can start to look tactically at some of uh, what I'll call point solutions and how those might uh, solve specific problems. It could be solving something like backup, solving something like recovery or archive and finding, you know, other economical options for uh, low-cost storage and and having uh, backups of data sitting somewhere else to help mitigate risk. So, so, you know, obviously a common use case these days has been uh, ransomware and how uh, organizations think about uh, preparing for such an event. And I think that lends itself to uh, customers thinking about cloud strategies or cloud components of their IT strategy, wherein if it, they are impacted by a ransomware event, they can have data that's protected and recoverable in another location. And, and typically, those customers who think along those lines are the ones that are able to recover uh, quickly and, 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 I guess, more uh, more rapidly than than maybe somebody who is just relying on all on-premise hardware. It's a it's sort of a, a tough spot to be. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of uh, it's sort of an insurance model, a risk management model for for a CIO to say, hey, we need to do this because I don't want to be like some of these other hospitals that have all their, all their patient records encrypted, <laughs> and, yeah. and now I'm out of luck. And so you're you're one of the so there's multiple value propositions and going to cloud, not just, hey, this is our new hosting partner. There is um, a some certifications that you guys have and presumably um, your competitors as well that uh, offer uh, and some talent that your community hospitals can't possibly afford to have in the, the numbers and types they need, right? Uh, so, um, it, it, I mean, what, where, where, what are the main drivers right now in terms of of cert, those service offerings? Is it the need to have data backup? Is that a, like the main driver? Just give us a sense of where the marketplace is now. Yeah, I mean that's that's a real huge driver for for people, regardless of what platform they're on, uh, what 
version of a platform or an EHR they might be on, the, the, the need to have uh, safe backups and, and, you know, options for averting disasters or responding to ransomware has been an ever-present need. But I think the willingness to, to look at that as, as a cloud option has sort of increased exponentially over the last three or four years. To kind of put this in perspective for you, I would say back in 2012, 2013, we probably had 25 to 33 percent of customers uh, considering, you know, some sort of cloud or managed service, uh, as opposed to just putting it in, you know, as an on-prem or traditional uh, infrastructure deployment. And we're seeing that trend, uh, I think, sort of get up to 50 to 60 percent of customers uh, looking at, at having cloud at least as a part of what they're trying to do. Again, I think they still may implement traditional. Uh, servers and storage in their data center, but just look at, you know, how can I leverage the economics, the scalability, security, et cetera, of, of cloud to, to, you know, be a, a core component of my overall IT strategy. Mm-hmm. So you see where we're going is there's, hey, there's on-premise, there's cloud, and then there's the landscape in between called hybrid. Are most of your customers kind of in that hybrid landscape at the moment and where do you see that going does that is that going to go all to cloud or do you see a mix so we we believe customers are going to live uh in a hybrid world indefinitely meaning customers will continue assessing which workloads make the most sense to remain on site and which workloads should migrate to private or public clouds i think a lot of factors sort of guide those decisions uh performance, cost, security, control. I always use uh, fetal heart rate monitoring applications as a good example. Uh, Given the network or data latency requirements, it makes a lot of sense to retain those applications on premise. The workload simply just simply can't withstand uh, the network round trip to a distant data center. On the other hand, uh, organizations may identify workloads that require variable computer data data storage requirements. So they may need, you know, more servers for a period of time. And that's where clouds start to make a lot of sense for customers. And rather than, you know, overbuying servers or storage, uh, the cloud may offer this sort of flexible model that makes sense for the, the right workloads. And, and, and I, I'll add that I think uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is really reinforcing uh, the adoption of, of more and more cloud for, for customers. And, and obviously, it's changing how all of us do work. Uh, but, but I think, you know, in talking with a lot of, of healthcare organizations, as, as the pandemic was sort of unfolding, uh, they, they dropped a lot of IT projects they were doing to, to go, you know, out to the parking lot and erect tents to facilitate testing or, or overflow. Uh, and they didn't want external parties coming into the facility, um, but, but may have at the same time needed to expand capacity for memory or disks or anything to support uh, the organization having to uh, have more and more virtual or remote users. And so I think people are stepping back and looking at that and saying, gee, if I had 
you know, been a little bit more aggressive in my adoption of, of cloud, uh, I wouldn't have had to deal with, dealt with some of these logistical challenges. And, and you know, some of the other things we saw were uh, supply chains that were constrained. And sometimes it, it took uh, a long uh, time or much longer to get a, a simple server uh, shipped out to a data center. Whereas, again, you sort of get into this on-demand cloud model and you can spin those up and spin it down and, and really make it somebody else's problem. I, the, the first part of what you said about um, uh, people coming on site, I, um, were you referring to the issue where if you're running your own data center, you may have dozens of service contracts uh, you know, to, uh, you know, you have Cisco service, you have all these service contracts to swap out failed equipment or service uh, equipment in your own data center. And it sounds like there was some pressure to, you know, not have anybody coming on to, in, to into hospital operations area if you could avoid it. Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely. And, and so it could have been some of those basic maintenance functions because, you know, stuff continues to break and, and hard drives need to be repaired or, or, or cables need to be fixed. Um, and, and, you know, we were still doing a lot of on-prem integration work with our customers and, um, thankfully able to do a lot of that work remotely or virtually. But again, it's just, it's another sort of challenge and hassle with, uh, so that sort of, I think, correlates to how big or small your on-prem data center footprint is these days. Mm -hmm. So in an earlier conversation you and I had, you had said that EHRs weren't originally built for the cloud, obviously. So how do you help Meditech customers? I mean, is it a lift and shift or is there a Meditech product that's more oriented to take advantage of the cloud? You know, and is Meditech in the process of doing rewrites or further rewrites to optimize it for the cloud? Give us a little background on how this is going in, in the industry and with Meditech in particular. Sure. So I, I think we've all seen over the past 12 to 18 months or so, uh, almost every EHR vendor aligning with uh, various public cloud partners. And so uh, Meditech announced their uh, partnership with, with Google, which we're involved with as well, and helping them to uh, look forward in their uh, cloud strategy. And I think everyone's making these decisions with a very long-term perspective uh, versus uh, maybe some some short-term benefits and, you know, sort of given the need that EHRs to, to develop future versions of so software that can actually uh, be built to take advantage of cloud platforms. Uh, contrast, you know, these sort of traditional EHRs with platforms that were born in the cloud. Think Netflix or Uber. Uh, they don't have an install base of customers running a bunch of applications uh, that were built for legacy compute and storage platforms in, in local data center. They have apps that are on all of our phones and tablets. They get updated in the uh, in the middle of the night while we're asleep. And they're specifically architected to take advantage of elastic cloud resources. So, you know, Netflix can spin up a whole bunch more compute on a Friday when Stranger Things is released. And, and suddenly thousands of people are binging the show for a weekend. Um, and, and so we're, we're obviously not there with EHRs, right? But, but that's sort of where the long-term goalposts are. I, I think in the interim, organizations like Meditech are, are really trying hard to develop cloud-native applications to solve specific problems and, and start taking advantage of the cloud now. 
Uh, a great example of that uh, is their high availability snapshot. It's a great example of a, a product built for a specific purpose with the cloud as a target platform. They were able to develop it very quickly, iterate it very quickly. And I think you'll see uh, all the AHR vendors uh, being very aggressive in developing these type of applications in parallel to replatforming their their systems to take better advantage of cloud capabilities in the next versions of, of this software. So you're saying that it's 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 an evolution, not a revolution, and the replatforming has happened just to make the technical change. But the real change is still to come in cloud with cloud native applications that can really make use of it in the EHR world and including uh, Meditech, for example. And there may be are you saying there may, there's some examples of some of the things that are they're doing now, but it's really nothing compared to what's going to be coming? Is that where you're going on that? Yeah, and I, and I don't really see it as being an all or nothing scenario. And, and I guess by that, I mean that they're going to all prioritize a lot of R&D efforts to make incremental changes. And so some of that will be underlying technology services or uh, specific modules that are sort of built in a cloud-native manner, it may be seamless to, to end users. And I think you'll start to see some workloads, if you will, within an EHR being more uh, cloud-friendly, if you will, th than not. And that, um, again, if you sort of, you got to be thinking about this in a long-term horizon. And, and that that's why, again, all these partnerships were being made is because they're trying to think of where they need to be five, ten years out. Do you think that in the future that uh, Meditech is going to do a native rewrite for the cloud, or do you think it's going to be one app at a time? I think it's going to be uh, a lot more seamless to folks than maybe we've seen in the past where you saw these big version changes. And they have the ability, again, to start um, re-architecting some things uh, under the covers, if you will. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when they launch new functions or update particular modules or applications to make those available in, in sort of a, a, a cloud-friendly or cloud-first platform. Excellent. Okay, great. So uh, as we wrap up, can you tell us a little bit about CloudWave and uh, how our listeners can connect with you if they have an interest in finding out more about what you do? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, CloudWave partners with hospitals and other organizations to really help them on this journey we've been talking about today, right? That that the future is multi-cloud, it's hybrid, it's trying to source the, the, the right services and workloads where it makes the most sense. And, and we're really passionate about uh, doing that in partnership with our customer to make sure that they get really the outcomes they want and that uh, we don't have an agenda about uh, whether something is on-prem or edge infrastructure, private cloud, public cloud. It's really just what makes sense for the, the, that particular workload from the perspective of, again, economic security, uh, any number of factors. And so if, if you'd like to connect with me or, or learn more about our, our organization, I'd uh, urge you to go to GoCloudWave.com or look uh, CloudWave or, or me up in, in LinkedIn. And I would love to hear from any listeners uh, and have really uh, appreciated our conversation today. Thank you, Eric. Are you going to be making it out to HIMSS convention in Las Vegas next year? I, I, I sure hope so. I, <laughs> obviously, we, <laughs> no one knows what that's going to look like, uh, but, but I, I hope we all get the opportunity to 
to do that. And I, and I think we're all going to value it a lot more maybe than we did in the past is, is sort of the, the hope I have. Yeah. Well, by next August, we should be hopefully safe enough to have 50,000 of your closest friends there without any worries. So I will admit I could do with a little less people <laughs> in, in, in any of those venues. It's gotten pretty big. It has. It really has. Well, we really enjoyed having you. It was a great interview. And to our listeners, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Hymn SoCal podcast. This is Paul Butler, your host. Our sound engineer has been Callister Harmon. Mm-hmm.